Welcome to the Perspectives with Catherine Toon podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome. And I am so excited uh, to invite Steve McVeigh on the podcast today. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Catherine. I'm glad to be with you today. So thank you, Steve. Can you tell us a little bit about you have been in ministry a long time and have, you know, uh, had flowing with multiple streams of revelation and that kind of thing, have a very, very powerful story. Uh, can you give us a snapshot of kind of your journey and then how you've kind of ended up uh, gelling with this idea of quantum and how that fits in? Is that working? I'd say you? my spiritual journey can be divided into three main parts. Mm-hmm. The first part was uh, from my early childhood, uh, I was born and reared in an evangelical home and in an evangelical church. My parents were Christians and uh, good, devoted people. They're both in heaven now, but they grounded me in the scripture, grounded me in my relationship to Christ. And my understanding of faith was uh, perfectly in alignment with what the modern evangelical church believes and the way they understand the gospel, the scripture, all of these things. And I lived in that world and functioned in that way for many years. I became a senior pastor when I was 19. And at 20 years old, not at 20 years old, when I was 38 years old, after 20 years in ministry, I came to a crisis place uh, in my life uh, where I began to re-examine and question a lot of the things I'd been taught. And that marked the beginning of the second phase, which was my understanding uh, initially of grace. And I know that sounds odd. I'd been a pastor 20 years and been a believer since I was a child, but I was a legalistic Christian in that first, during that, those first, that first phase. And I began to understand grace and our identity in Christ and what it means to be free from the law, co-crucifixion with Christ, those kinds of things. And so I, I, uh, began to teach that and I taught it for a lot of years until, uh, I found myself everywhere I would teach, saying no matter how much God loves you, uh, I mean, no matter how much you think God loves you, he loves you more. Yes. And what, And one day the Holy Spirit said, do you believe that? I said, yeah. And the Spirit said, you want me to show you where, how far that rabbit hole goes? I said, sure. So I began to understand theology, God, salvation, Christianity in a new way. And I talked from that perspective again for a lot of years. And then I began to realize that there are a lot of people that are open to the gospel and they're open to Jesus, but they're put off by the language of the church. I had had studied quantum mechanics just kind of as a hobby Mm -hmm. for a while, and I began to see more and more how it coincides with what the Bible teaches. And one day it's like I read where Paul said, from now on, I go to the uh, I go to the Gentiles. And what he was saying was, I've been trying to share this message with the Jews for a long time. And there's a lot of resistance to the gospel. So Paul said, I'm going to take it to the Gentiles. Right. And it's like the Lord said to me, you know what? There is another language you could speak besides the language of the church. Wow. And if you speak that language, you might be surprised how many people are willing to listen. So I began to teach. And as you know, right from a quantum perspective, and I'm still teaching grace. I'm still teaching the yeah. gospel. But a lot of times I'm using the language of quantum science today to do it. And that's amazing. And, and, and this has, and, you know, 
as the Lord was directing you, you can speak this language and people who are so put off uh, by churchianity and by past and past experiences and things. Have you, have you felt, have you, have you actually seen those doors open, those audiences, the, the, the new Gentile audience um, sort of open up? It amazes me, Catherine. It's absolutely amazing. I live in a condominium uh, and in my building, we've got over 250 units and it amazes me how I've seen doors open with friends in my own building. Once we become accepting of people and they understand intuitively that we're not judging them, but that we're joining together with them and that we're all on our own journey. And we don't speak down to them, but we speak across to them as a fellow pilgrim. Uh, it amazes me. I've been able to share with Jewish people in my building. I, I'm thinking of a lady right now, 90 years old in my building, who uh, pre- observes the Sabbath every week. And I've been able to have some very meaningful conversations with her. But it didn't start with me saying, do you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Of course, I want her to know Jesus Christ. But it started with discussions about science. Same thing with secular humanists. I've even got an atheist in this building where I live that I was talking to one day. And she said, she said, you want to you want to change me, don't you? And I said, and I did, I just had met her. I, she, I just had met her that day. And I said, change you. I said, I'd like to lose about 10 more pounds. I can't even really change me. I said, I'm not trying to change you. She said, you want me to join the church where you're a pastor? I said, I'm not a pastor at any church. And I'm not trying to get you to join any church. And she said, well, what is it you want? And I said, I just want you to know the love that I know from God through Christ. And I said to her, I believe we are put here for two reasons. First, to be recipients of divine love to experience love and second to express that love and that atheist woman looked at me and said i can go with that wow and you know what now i know back in the old days i would have said but you didn't lead her to jesus she didn't say a prayer she didn't ask jesus into her heart did i mention i live in this building I don't know how many more conversations I'll be able to have with that woman. You don't have to score a touchdown in every conversation, right? You just move the ball further down the line toward the goal. And so I think if we respect people, love people, speak a language that they don't find offensive, it's amazing how far we can go. It's what Paul did on Mars Hill. Right. And to the Jews that became a Jew, right? All of that. And that's amazing. And I can relate to this because I was, uh, I grew up in a secular humanist background, very, very academic, very kind of anti-church, but very legalistic and all of that. And as I uh, journeyed, I don't want to get to so much of my story, but I can totally relate that. I remember uh, leading my mom to Christ and she was just so sure she was waiting for the, okay, where's the other shoe to drop? Do I have to join the church? Do I have to? And it was kind of interesting because as, as I, I was like, no, no, you just, I, I just want you to be connected to this God. This is life. This is good. This is love. And she was waiting for, it. and then as that was, then she was willing to explore further um, but it also takes, I, I find that it takes the pressure off that we have to get, get people in to say the prayer and all of that. Like we have to know, we're just introducing them to something in a language they can receive. Yeah. That is really beautiful. I think people intuitively know whether or not we're respecting them or judging them. And it doesn't matter. I don't mean it doesn't matter. I'll say it this way. 
it, regardless of what we say with our words, I think people sense our spirit yeah. and they know whether or not we're trying to close a deal, make a sale. Mm-hmm. And I used to be that way. I used to think it wasn't over until they prayed a prayer. But now I see it differently. And I think that my role and privilege now is just to share the love of Christ with people. And I'm willing to go as far as they're willing to go. But I don't feel like I'm a multi-level marketing person that's got to close the deal the first time I talk to you. Or maybe ever. Maybe ever. It's not up to me to save anybody, right? Oh, gosh. No, we, we're we not the Savior. So, um. So that's beautiful. Now, tell me how this language of quantum introduce us or however you want to lead with this, with this language of quantum, understanding of quantum that is totally a, a, a God concept, but not in Christianity type language. That's a great question to lead into this. All right. I'm going to give you the Essence now, albeit at a very shallow, superficial level, but for sake of discussion, I'm going to introduce the listener, the viewer to the world of quantum, and I'm going to use quantum language to do it. But I want you and those who are watching and listening to hear it through the eyes of your faith. Okay, you understand? I'm going to speak quantum, but I want you to translate it into Christian in your own brain. All right. So now, let, here's what a science, what a quantum scientist would tell you. Everything in existence is energy. Mm-hmm. Everything is in a constant state of vibration. And this energy is a field that fills all the cosmos. It is an all-powerful energy. In fact, it is from this energy that Every material thing has come into being, and it is by this energy that every physical thing is sustained, and it is inside this energy that everything exists. What kind of energy is it? Is it impersonal or is it personal? Well, there is debate and discussion about that, but we can go back to a question asked by Albert Einstein when he raised the question, is the universe a friendly place? And in his own research, Einstein came to the conclusion that based on the symmetry, the balance, and the beauty of the cosmos, that the universe indeed is a friendly place. If we trust what Einstein said, for there to be a friendly universe, the word friendly requires personhood. So it cannot be a benign, impersonal force like gravity or electromagnetism or stronger, weak nuclear force. For it to be friendly, there has to be personhood. So then we'll say this matrix, that's a word many use, is a person who is energy, power, who gave rise to everything that exists and sustains it by his own power. Wow. That's science talking. Did you hear it through the Christian lens? I heard it through the Christian lens. So he saw me kind of smiling and whatever. It was like, yes, I'm hearing this. This is so good, but so accessible for the scientists, for the what, whoever, someone not uh, brought up in the church. It's like, yeah, I can gel with that. And oh, that translates into something that we know as a person um, that's friendly and good 
and loves us. But thank you for uh, for doing that. So keep going. This is great. <laughs> well, if I were to have that conversation with someone and I could see that they were open to going further, I'm reminded of what Jesus said when he told his disciples, go house to house, talk to different people. And if you find a person of peace, if you find somebody with open arms and open heart, go on in. But if they're not open to it, that's okay. Move down the street. There'll be somebody else that's open to it. So that's the approach I take. So if I said to you, and by the way, I have a friend that, uh, again, another Jewish guy, 71 years old that lives right here. Listen to this. This is amazing to me. I talked to this guy one time, the very first time I ever talked to him. Now, he's become a friend. I've talked to him many times. But the first time I ever talked to him, he asked me, what do you do? Well, I learned a long time ago when people ask you that question and you're in ministry, you better be careful how you answer. This is true. So I said, to, and I think there's something in that be uh, helpless, uh, be be like uh, as harmless as a dove and wise as a serpent. So I said, I said to the guy, well, actually, what I do these days is I teach online every day to a private group. I teach quantum science blending it with spiritual truth. Now that's pretty vague, isn't it? But I meant to be vague. Now let me stop Catherine and say back in the old days, I would have said, Steve, you're a compromiser. Why don't you just tell him you tell people about Jesus? I'll tell you why, because the guy would have ran as fast as he could get away. So I decided, I decided to do it differently. I said, I teach people quantum science and I blend it with a spiritual perspective. Do tell me more, he said. So we sat there and for about an hour, I talked to him. And at, at because he was open toward the end of the conversation, I did say to him, now, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So it's my viewpoint that this all-encompassing field of favor, this friendly cosmos, is a person named Christ who manifested in Jesus the guy just tracked right along with me. And if you, if I were to introduce you to him today, mm-hmm. you know what he would say to you? And I'm not saying it like patting myself on the back. I'm telling you how the Lord works. The guy, I've heard him say it to other people. He, he would point at me and say, you know what? The first night I ever met that guy, my life was changed. Oh, wow. That's what he said. Now, mm-hmm. all I did was talk quantum mechanics and bring in... Very slight application of Christ. Here's what I didn't do. And some viewers and listeners may say, well, then he's not a believer. I did not ask him to pray a sinner's prayer. I did not tell him, you know, to go to heaven this or to avoid hell. I didn't do any of the evangelical stuff. Mm -hmm. I just shared the goodness and love of God with him. And I've watched that relationship grow more and more over time. And here's what it boils down to. This is a devout or he has been in the past. Mm-hmm. He was a devout Jew. Then he became a secular Jewish man. What I'm doing is I'm mentoring. I'm discipling that man, yeah. but I'm moving at his pace. Yeah. Not my pace, not the pace he'd get down at the local church. Right. I'm moving at his pace. And I've seen transformation come in his life because I'm willing to go slow. And, and that, I think that's the way of Jesus. Yeah. That, that's just exactly what I'm going to say. I mean, God in, in his, I mean, take us when you, when, when I think of my journey, I'm sure with your journey, I mean, he just takes us at our pace um, and it's the engagement with him, even though he doesn't insist on credit that moves us and transforms us. It's so lovely. You know, if we're supposed to love as Christ loves, well, what does that look like to a 
former relig- religious Jew to the secular Jew and a neighbor, what does that look like in the language that we use and just the, the heart behind it that we're not, we don't have a, an agenda to seal the deal. Um, so that's, that's beautiful. That, that kind of takes evangelism in, in a very different direction. So I love it. I kind of jokingly, but, but I make a serious point, but in a lighthearted way, I, I kind of sometimes jokingly teach the verse where Paul said, let no unwholesome communication proceed out of your mouth. And then I go on when I'm teaching in my group that I teach every day. I've said this at times. I've said, folks, if you will trust the spirit of Christ in you, he'll clean up your language. He'll change your language and you'll find you'll stop using all that church talk that alienates people. You'll stop using those esoteric words that nobody understands except you and that group of people you hang out with down at the church. And you'll find yourself speaking the language of a common of the common person so that they can understand what you're talking about. And they won't be repulsed by your foul language of religion. (laughs) But it is foul because religion stinks. It does. It does. (laughs) Religion stinks. So, yeah. So we need to meet people in this in the lovely way that includes everybody. Uh, wow. Well, thank thank you for that. It's beautiful. Take us further. This is great. Well, you know, again, we've talked about basically how a way that, from a quantum perspective, you could sort of uh, bring somebody further in toward Christ. And it is meet them where they are. It is the pattern set by the Apostle Paul on Mars Hill in Acts 17, when he met those people worshiping the uh, idol to the unknown God. He didn't prayer walk around the area. He didn't plead the blood of Jesus over the idol. He didn't denounce them and tell them you're going to bust hell wide open because you're worshiping a false God. To the contrary, Paul stepped up to the idol and he looked at those people who were devout and he said, I perceive how dedicated and committed you are in all of your ways. It's almost he started out with a compliment toward them about their zeal. Let me tell you, it's a lot better to build a bridge than to slap somebody coming out of the gate. And that's what Paul did. And when Paul on Mars Hill began talking to them about his faith, he started by saying, let me tell you about, he didn't say that God you're worshiping is, is, is not real. He said, let me tell you about this unknown God. See what he did there? And then he began to say, this God, and he started at a very wide end. Mm -hmm. He started at the wide end of the narrative. In Genesis, in fact, he said, this God that you're worshiping, let me tell you about him. He's the one who created all things. He's the one who drew boundary lines around the nations and, 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 and put nations there. He's the one, and he started out talking to them about a creator. Now, you come fast forward to the 21st century evangelical church, and if you tell people, well, did, they say, did you witness to the guy? You, and you say, well, I told him about God, the creator and blah, 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 blah. There'd be a lot of people that say, well, then you didn't witness to him. You didn't tell him about the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But you got to be wise in this. Okay. When I went to China one time, I met with a group of Chinese university students in a McDonald's. And they said, what do you do? And I said, I travel the world telling people about God's love. This was in China. And they said, which God? Mm-hmm. And I had to start in Genesis with those folks. But now back to Paul, once he talked about the creator, 
then he moved it on down to this man, this person, Jesus, and he brought Jesus Christ clearly into focus. Now, let me be clear and say, Paul had one shot. He was standing up there on Mars Hill. He had one shot to reach these people. So he used a template that started on the broad end and worked down to the narrow specific, the pinpoint of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the model I think we can use. But unlike Paul, sometimes we only have one chance. But there are other times, like where we live, who we work with, our neighbors. We don't have to do it all in one shot. We have time to start up here and go at their pace and gently, slowly move them further and further in toward Jesus Christ. And the movement and the progress we make is based on their willingness to go forward. When we meet resistance, we stop right there and we wait until the spirit softens their heart, opens their mind and enables them to be ready to move forward again. And then we do it. So there's evangelism. Now, Back to your question, what then? Well, my book, Quantum Life, Mm -hmm. my book, Quantum Fate. I've got a book coming out uh, about one month from now, October 15, a little less than a month on quantum prayer. In my opinion, these books are good discipleship books. Mm -hmm. Again, let me be clear. They're not saturated with Bible verses, although you'll find that, especially in the quantum faith and the quantum prayer book, mm-hmm. they're, but they're not Bible studies. Right. They right. come from a quantum perspective. And I show you the reader how that the Bible substantiates this. And not only that, but it's, it's complimentary because quantum science helps us better understand what the Bible says. I can unpack that in specific ways if you want to, but does, does that make sense? No, that that's that's brilliant, and it's so encouraging because they it just supports, uh, you know, if it, it, it supports our understanding of you know scripture and things like that, and scripture confirms like yes, this is what I this is how it's it's seen in the natural realm and from the scientific perspective, uh, and that's that's beautiful. So we're not in competition. It's it's sort of a, a win win. Uh, I love that. So we'll keep on going. So you, we've got these issues of um, quantum and in, in, in the idea of faith and quantum in the idea of prayer. I'm looking forward to your new book. That's exciting. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about faith. Yes. You want to talk about faith? Perfect. I'd love it. Well, first of all, let me let me preface what I say by saying this. And I, I, I might I, I could have said it at the beginning because I want to make sure everybody understands. Some people have a knee-jerk reaction against science Mm -hmm. because we all grew up in a world of scientific materialism, a world where you had, you know, in this corner weighing in at 180 pounds, you have Charles Darwin and, you know, the theory of evolution and upward causation and all that. And then in this corner, you have Jesus of Nazareth weighing in 180 pounds. And, you know, and it was like there was constant, there was a battle, the the, the two, two enemies, science and faith were in opposition. And I'm first one to acknowledge that the the science that most of us grew up with stands in opposition to our faith. But early in the 20th century, 1903, really, is when it began to really make an appearance on the public platform. People had studied quantum before that, even 100 years before. uh, An Episcopal priest who was a scientist had brought some quantum teaching to the forefront, but it didn't gain traction. But back in the early 1900s, I mean, very early 1900s, 1903, 1904, 05, you had people like, like Max Planck, who was considered and is considered the father of quantum mechanics. Max Planck's the one that coined the word the matrix. 
So if you see the movie The Matrix, Planck's the one that inspired that. And there were others, Niels Bohr and Erwin Schrodinger. There were a lot of early pioneers in quantum science Mm -hmm. that began to say, you know, there's more to reality than material things. Mm -hmm. And they began to uncover some of these quantum science truths that could be called nothing other than mystical. Yes. Metaphysical. Mm -hmm. You're talking about physical matter and you're talking about energy, right? Well, when you're talking about matter, you're talking about materialism. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about energy, you're not talking about materialism anymore. Mm -hmm. You're talking about something that's metaphysical. And as I said at the beginning, what is that energy? I find it interesting that when the New Testament uses uh, the word to describe the acts of the Holy Spirit, the word energia, energy is often used there. Yeah. So. So these early guys, then they began to bring forward a science that is now the cutting edge science. Let me be real clear. We learned a lot from the old science. Isaac Newton, a devout believer in Jesus Christ, taught us a lot about scientific materialism back in his day. Newtonian science has a lot to say that's right, but it comes short. So with the advent and emergence of quantum science, now science Yes. is able to uh, to equip us to look beyond the physical so good. and see the metaphysical. And I'm going to go so far as to say this, whereas scientific materialism mm-hmm. stood in contrast to our faith and battled our faith, quantum science comes along and wraps its arms around us and we wrap our arms around it and we stroll into the sunset and we can live happily ever after because quantum science properly understood not only agrees with the teachings of scripture, but I'm going to go so far as to say it helps us understand how to put into practice some of the things the Bible tells us. You ask about faith. You want me to talk about how science can inform us on how to practice faith? Let's do that. That's great. Well, I wrote a chapter in this book, Quantum Life, called Believe Differently, The Power of Intention. The Bible tells us have faith. We all know that. Mm -hmm. But with all due respect for the Bible, and at the risk of somebody thinking I'm down talking the Bible, I'm not. The Bible's not clear about how to do that. It tells us to do it. So there, And that's true in a lot of things. The Bible tells us what to do, but how it works, we don't quite get. Why don't we get it? Well, I'm reminded of Jesus when he did his miracles. Mm -hmm. The miracles of Jesus, many of them can be explained through a quantum lens. Now, let me hit the pause button. Somebody Mm -hmm. is going to say, I don't like that, Steve. You're taking away the miraculous and you're saying that the miracles are really just science. I'm going to point that objector back to St. Augustine, Mm -hmm. who said that miracles are not contrary to nature but they are simply contrary to what we currently understand about nature. Jesus was a quantum man. Mm -hmm. He's the son of God, 100% God. You know, I know he's God, but he was a man too. And he lived a quantum life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the miracles he did were quantum phenomena. phenomena. For instance, when he appeared behind a closed door in that room, that's called quantum tunneling. When he spoke to the tree and it withered and died, that's called quantum resonance. When he appeared before the 500 seemingly coming out of nowhere, that's quantum teleportation. There's a lot of quantum reality to what Jesus did. 
So his disciples, though, seeing all these things, mm-hmm. ask him one time, man, that is so cool. How do you do that? Yes. How can we do that? And I love the answer Jesus gave. One translation has him saying, there's much that I could tell you now, but you would not be able to bear it. Yeah. I like the new, the Aramaic, the new, uh, the uh, Aramaic version in plain English, the Aramaic version, which was the language Jesus spoke, Aramaic. He said this, this translation says, there is much that I could tell you, but you would not be able to grasp it. All right. So Jesus was doing quantum miracles. Well, was it God or was it science? It's of course it's yes, it's both. It's God and how science is actually properly understood. Science enables us to better understand how God works in his creation. All right. So Jesus said, I could tell you, but you wouldn't be able to grasp it. And then in another place, he said, but after I leave, I'm going to send somebody else. I'm going to send a teacher. And when that teacher comes, that teacher will guide you into all truth, all A-L-L, all truth, Mm -hmm. not just church truth, Mm -hmm. not even just Bible truth, Mm -hmm. all truth. So here we are 20, 21 centuries later, and that same spirit that Jesus promised who would come is guiding us into a deeper truth. Now, here's the thing that people who are still enslaved in religion don't understand. They're possessed by a spirit of religion. Mm -hmm. It drives them crazy to think that Christ could speak somewhere other than from the pulpit or even from the Bible. But I tell you, the scripture says the heavens declare the glory of God so he can speak through astronomy. And the earth, his handiwork, he can speak through geology. Yes, God can speak in any way he wants. And it galls the religious spirits of the world today that the spirit of truth is teaching us through the voice of science. Because it's not King James language. It's not even church language. So how can that be God? Exactly. Well, the answer is Christ is too big to fit inside your church. Thank you. And not only that, here's what gets people rattled sometimes, but hear me out. Christ is too big to even fit inside your Bible. Because even the Bible itself said that if everything Jesus did were recorded in a book, all the books of the world could not contain it. He's bigger than all that. God is bigger than your church. He's bigger than your Bible. He's even bigger than Christianity. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we understand that, we open ourselves up to learn. Yes. I love that. He speaks to unbelievers. You know, he speaks, speaks through a donkey, all his creation. Uh, he speaks through, he's so big and uncontainable and that's beautiful, but let them have who have ears here. Right. And so we're, we're, we're uh, attending to the bigness of God that can't be contained within the church, within the Bible, within all of creation. So thank you. So keep on going. We were talking about faith, I guess. Uh, so whatever you want to add. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about faith. What we call faith, a lot of people call focused intention. Mm-hmm. That's good. What we call prayer mm-hmm. in the world of science, some call it desire, elevated desire. Now, let me give a little sidebar caveat and caution for people. The problem that we run into, the challenge when we teach this, and I've I've encountered it in my own teaching and writing, 
-hmm. is some of the language that you use when you get over into the quantum world, we're not the first ones to use it. Mm -hmm. Some of the language that is used has been used not only by scientists, but there are other sectarian groups out there that use some of that same language. For instance, if I talk about focused intention, someone might say, wait a minute, that sounds new agey to me. Or if I talk about enlightenment through meditation, somebody might say, wait a minute, that sounds Buddhist to me. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why people say that. And it's because we all do this. Mm -hmm. When we encounter information we're not familiar with, the first thing we do is we scan the hard drive in our brain and we look for a folder to fit it in. Right. And if we can't find a folder to fit it in, We find the folder that most closely fits what we think we're hearing. Mm -hmm. So if I say the word meditation and it's a believer in Christ who's never been taught meditation from a Christian perspective, they might have heard it that Buddhists meditate. So they think it's Buddhism. Or if I talk about the cosmic Christ, is he the Christ? Yes. Does he fill the cosmos? Yes. But heaven forbid you say cosmic Christ to some people because now they're saying he's new age. Come on. I want to say to these people as lovingly, but plainly as I can grow up, stop it. Just because you don't like a word because somebody else used it doesn't mean it's a bad word. Why don't we redeem some of this language? I remember when I wrote my book, my second book, I had a chapter called let's party. And I had an editor that said to me, he, he sent it back and said, I think we need to change that word to fellowship. I went, ah, don't make me throw up. No, party. And you know what the editor said to me? But I think that word has a certain connotation that we don't want to communicate. And I said to him, well, isn't that a shame? Because if anybody has a reason to party, it's believers in Jesus Christ. How about we redeem that word? Yeah. How about we seize it out of the house of the enemy, bring it back, baptize it, and put it back in the among God's people again? So I would say the same thing. When people hear a word and they associate it with this new age or Eastern religion or whatever, I don't mean to be mean, Kath, uh, Catherine, but sometimes people, it's their ignorance that speaks. And, and I would say... I say to those that are listening, don't react against something that's unfamiliar to you. Ask yourself why. Anybody that knows me know I believe the Bible. They know I love Jesus. But I'm trying to reach a crowd out there that doesn't know the Bible or Jesus. Well, and And, then also, yeah, redeem stuff because they know something about God, about uh, how this all works, that God is wanting to teach us. So God is actually speaking through these people to help us grab a hold of stuff in the church that we forfeited because it, we've, we've said Buddhist, we've said new age, we've said whatever, and not realizing that God is speaking even while we're rooted and grounded in the person of Christ and the finished work and all that kind of stuff. That's exactly and, right. Right. Yeah. And so, so, and, and this, it also requires a humility. And, you know, one of the things I think that helps me in this is that being so rooted and grounded in love and the fact that it's Holy Spirit leading and guiding us into all truth, that means we're safe. We're not going to teeter on the fires of hell lead other people to hell we're being led and guided by a god who is bigger than all of it and we can learn from our brothers and sisters that may not be practicing the same faith but we're still brothers and sisters and they're tracking with something that maybe we forfeited because we got so narrow does that feel right absolutely i i will say oftentimes and this really offends some people that their identity is in their religion 
the average Bap the average Buddhist knows more about meditation than the average Baptist. Now, for me to say that is not an endorsement of Buddhism. I'm not saying you should be a Buddhist. I wish every Buddhist would come to know Jesus Christ. Yeah. But meditation is simply a tool. And so somebody says meditation. That sounds like Eastern religion. That sounds like Buddhism. Buddhists may well use air conditioning too, but I'm not going to give it up just because they use it. Exactly. exactly. A new ager probably will eat in some of the restaurants I eat in, but I'm not going to quit going there just because they eat there. Exactly. I'm saying we need to get our heads out of the sand and realize it's a big world out there. And we all know, let me be clear. I'm an unashamed and unapologetic follower of the son of God, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. who came into this world in the incarnation, lived and died, shed his blood, died, buried, raised, ascended back to the father. Did I touch the base? Right. Yes. Having said that, we need to get over ourselves. I don't mean get over Jesus. But we need to get over ourselves in that exclusive, arrogant, pompous mindset yes. that has led us to think that we can learn nothing from anybody exactly. unless it's Brother Billy Bob down at the local church, who's the only one we've ever listened to in our whole life. And then when we hear something new, we run back to the Internet and spend 10 minutes on Google and we find the people that would disagree with the new thing we've heard. We call Brother Billy Bob and he says it's wrong, too. And now we're experts. And we're going to we're going to dispute and come out against this teaching that somebody's sharing that they've spent years studying. Come on, come on. Yeah. we need to, we need to be better than that. Exactly, and I think so much of that is it's arrogance and pride. It's also fear driven because somehow, like Holy Spirit is so sucky at his job that you know he he's really not leading and guiding us into all truth. Right, that somehow we can't. Uh, lean on him. We, we have, we, we need this prescription uh, that is an artificial prescription and we can't look outside and see God everywhere leading and guiding us and keeping us safe in the exploration because he, he doesn't want us to spin off into something that's not right, but he also doesn't want us to forfeit the treasure that other people have discovered, but they don't call themselves Christians. The, the, the ancient Church fathers used to say we live in a God-bathed world, but the sad thing is some people won't come outside their black and white room they lived in all their lives to see the beautiful color of the world around us. And it's a shame how fear seems to be the currency of institutional religion, even the Christian religion. We've all been taught, but you could be misled. You could be misled. Be careful. Be careful. Satan himself appears as an angel of light. Let me tell you something, Catherine. I grew up in church. I grew up in church and I was misled. I was misled in a Bible believing, conservative, Jesus loving church. Nobody meant to do wrong. Right. But I was misled. And so the idea now that I might be misled by opening my heart and mind. I'm not to, I tell people all the time, and those that hear me teach every day would affirm this. I tell folks, don't be gullible. Yeah. Be a Berean. Search to see whether those things are so. But for goodness sake, be teachable. How are we going to grow if we're not willing to move beyond the body of knowledge that we possess at this moment? You got to hear new things to grow. And if you're not willing to hear new things, you're not going to grow. Weigh them out. Listen, yes. Yeah. I hear people say, Sometimes people will say, oh, I, I listened to that thing about quantum, but I had to check in my spirit. 
And what they really mean is that makes me uncomfortable. It's not the Holy Spirit doing a thing. It just makes them uncomfortable. What they're really, that check in your spirit, I would say, it's really me poking your sacred cow with a sharp stick of truth. Exactly. That's the check in your spirit. So we don't have to be scared. We, if, if we believed as much in the ability of the spirit to keep us from falling, as Jude says he will in the Bible, if we believe the spirit can keep us from falling and guide us into truth, as much as the average Christian believes the devil is going to mislead them, we might, you know what, we ought to be some, some places they ought to be singing hymns and courses to Satan because they actually think that the devil has more power than, than the spirit of truth does. And we don't have, we don't have to be scared. And you can tell, I feel, can you tell I feel passionate about this? I love it. I love it. And I, I, you know, and, and, and the truth is God is so good. So big. He is so love, uh, you know, love and fear can't occupy the same space. And it's this God that's leading us and guiding us into all truth. That's bigger than the written word of the Bible, because he is the word and the author of all things and upholding all things by the word of his power, all of that. Um, so, which means we can be safe in our exploration. It's a, it's a, it's a small God that just says, no, don't go, don't, don't ask questions. Don't go beyond this. There's an invitation and which is expansive and beautiful and powerful. That is right in line tracking with what we've learned, but it gets to be expanded, fleshed out and go from black and white to color. <laughs> I love that analogy. So how do we, um, how would you say that we could uh, translate, because it's more like a translation, uh, you know, faith and belief and miracles uh, into this language of quantum that's so expansive? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought me back onto that subject, because we don't want to let the time run out, not at least give one example of how the quantum world works in our faith. And, 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 uh, and faith is a good topic. It has been proven again and again and again in science mm-hmm. that the way people think about something determines, greatly determines the outcome. It's not magic. This is not like some sort of uh, excessive charismatic teaching where we've got pixie dust or we're a magic genie. This is not that name it and claim it stuff where you become God and you get what you want by, by the way you think or talk. That's not that. The quantum world is a world of probability. Mm-hmm. It's a world of probability. In the quantum world, every quiff, it stands for quantum wave function. Every possible outcome already exists. Yes. Which one of those will manifest in time and space? They've proven through science that you enhance the opportunity of a specific outcome being the one that manifests when you put your focus and belief on that outcome is called in focused intention for those that are listening or watching. If you want to learn more about it, you've got an open mind, just Google the phrase focused intention, and you will see a lot written from a science standpoint about how that what people think is going to happen and what they expect to happen greatly enhances the likelihood of that being what happens. Now, let's tie that into the Bible. Jesus himself said, Jesus Christ said, however you think it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. Now, somebody's thinking, well, when did he say that? Let me give you a different translation you might recognize. According to your faith, so be it unto you. Right. According to your faith, how you think it's going to be, so be it unto you. That's how it's going to be. 
Yes. So now, if, if before people, before the new age bells start, alarms start ringing in people's minds, let's remind ourselves that this came straight from the mouth of Jesus. How you think it's going to be is how it's going to be. All right. Now, mm-hmm. when you come back to science, it's amazing the number of things they've done. Silly little experiments that worked. For instance, they took a group of guys out on a golf course mm-hmm. and they gave one set, one group of the of the golfers, they gave a specific golf ball that they told had been blessed by a holy man and that this ball was going to bring them great luck. Yes. They didn't say anything to the other people about the golf balls. Gotcha. Guess what happened on the putting green? The people that believed yeah. that that ball was a lucky golf ball and this is not scientific tests have to be replicated done again and again. It's not a one-time thing. Every time the people that believed it was a lucky ball did better. Was it a lucky ball? It was their belief yes. and their belief influenced their play and they had scored a better score. So many things, what we believe is that what determines our experience. I'll give you another example. And everybody can relate to this. Do you know when you go to the store and you buy that vanilla pudding, that jello vanilla pudding, and you bring it home and you make that vanilla pudding and eat it, mm-hmm. and you say, man, that's good vanilla pudding. Well, let me tell you, that vanilla pudding doesn't have any vanilla in it at all. You know what it, you know what it does have in it? Yellow food coloring. Wow. And we think yellow vanilla. I'm tasting vanilla. I'm tasting vanilla because what you expect <laughs> is what you get. And there have been so, so, I mean, in the book, I don't, I mean, I could, I could go, you know, one after another scientific experiments that I list in the book where that what people believe is what leads to their outcome. And you think about amazing things that have happened in history, what people believe before anything happens, there's a belief that it can happen. The Wright brothers didn't invent the airplane because they imagined riding around in the Model T the rest of their lives. Right. I mean, Thomas Edison didn't see people lighting candles in dark rooms forever. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you come forward, Apple computers, I, I've got an Apple right in front of me now. That didn't become a trillion dollar business because Steve Jobs thought that the technology of the 1970s was going to be a permanent thing. Right. What you believe is the momentum that carries you forward to outcome. And they've proven it. I mean, they've done They've done surgeries on people by hypnotizing them wow. and causing them to believe that they'll feel no pain. And guess what? They felt no pain. That's amazing. This, 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 so you see what I'm saying? It's a biblical teaching, but faith, it's not Holy Ghost magic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So is it God or is it science? Well, the, he, God puts the law of aerodynamics in place. I've smuggled Bibles into China. Mm-hmm. And I got on an airplane and took Bibles that I smuggled into China, flying an airplane across the world. Mm-hmm. Well, it was the law of aerodynamics that took those Bibles to China. Yeah. Well, was it God? Was it a miracle? Absolutely. The law of aerodynamics is the way God chose to allow airplanes to fly and enable me to take Bibles to China. But guess what? There have been other people that have smuggled drugs right. using the law of aerodynamics. It, what I'm saying to you, and, and this is where people miss it, 
I teach some of these quantum things like the way you think, the way you speak, and folks say, well, that sounds new age. Or some people in the church world say, that. well, you're just teaching name it and claim it. No, I'm not teaching new age, and I'm not teaching new age, name it, claim it, charismaniac teaching. I'm not teaching that either. Sure. But it's not my fault that they have got laid hold of it. And some of them may be abusing and misusing it, but the same law of aerodynamics that will carry Bibles will also carry drugs. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's, it, it, it doesn't it's negate the truth. Good. Yes. It doesn't negate the good. truth just because it's being abused. Yeah, that's so good. And then, and then we we lay aside uh, kind of our inheritance or how we're supposed to be functioning as sons and daughters, one with this God that loves us. And we're laying it aside uh, because we're afraid that it's not of him and that, you know, it's, it's totally of him. It's how we set it up. So I love that. And I thank you for connecting the dot with, you know, uh, this, the quantum terms and the, uh, 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 you know, maybe Buddhist terms or new age terms. It's like, wait a second, this term is actually a God term. And this is how I've, I've set things up to operate so that we see the miraculous because we're sons of God taking it from the unseen quantum energy realm and speaking it into the material realm. That's, that is so amazing. How do we, given the fact that what we believe is so important, help the person out there, if you would, please, sorry, I'm getting bossy. I'm just excited. Um, <laughs> the person out there who says, okay, I, you know, I believe, help my unbelief, or I want to believe but I, I'm I'm seeing this horrible thing and I, I'm wanting to see it in a good way because I want the probability of the good thing to manifest in my life. Well, the first thing I would say to anybody is, and Jesus said it many times, and I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look at the camera and somebody who's watching needs to hear it. I want you to hear it straight from the mouth of Jesus because it's Jesus saying it through me. Don't be scared. Hmm. Don't be scared. It's that simple. We allow fear to hold us back. Yeah. We, we we're so afraid that we're going to that we're going to get it wrong, that we're going to miss it. Well, guess what? I got it wrong for a long time. And 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 the holy you're never going to get it perfectly right, by the way. We're all on a continuum. We're all on a journey. Yeah. And we're never going to have it exactly right. But we're growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so just go forward in faith. And there are a lot of starts and stops and a lot of stumbles along the way. But the scripture says the just person falls seven times and rises up again. The one who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Yeah. The, 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 don't be scared. Open your mind. Be willing to learn. I'm not, again, I'm not saying be gullible, but let me tell you that the heavy handed autocratic leadership that we see in the modern church, whether it's a pope mm -hmm. or a priest or an apostle or a bishop or a prophet, whatever group you're coming from, when somebody tries to exert authority or autocratic authority, yes. you, you know, that kind of heavy handed authority over you, mm -hmm. you walk away from that. Thank you. You have no need that any man teach you, says the Bible. Now, that's, that doesn't mean we can't learn from other people. Mm -hmm. But this whole thing about you being under somebody's umbrella of protection, let me tell you, the umbrella you're under is called the blood of Jesus Christ and the life of the Holy Spirit 
who's in you. Quit letting people hold you hostage. Yes. And you, you know, you, you've lived in St. Shawshanks too long. Yes. <laughs> the, the jail cell is open. Jesus has unlocked the door. Now walk out and come into the fields of grace where you can run barefoot and free and not have to be afraid that you're going to misstep or go into the wrong place because he's running with you. That's the big thing. Don't be scared. And then I would say what I've said so many times in so many contexts. Open yourself up and be willing to be exposed to voices beyond the few little voices that you've heard inside your cubicle. Yeah. Are there are there people out there that are lying? Yep. And there are people inside your little world that are lying too. That's true. Are there people in your world telling the truth? Yep. And there are people outside your little world that are telling the truth too. Yeah. You don't have to be scared. Yeah. Ask the spirit to guide you. Allow yourself to be exposed to different viewpoints. Sometime I will quote Buddhists. I will quote, I quote Rumi, one of the most renowned Muslim mystics of the early Amazing. 14th, 15th century. I quote, uh, I quote, I, I probably have quoted you, Agers, for goodness sake. Now and then I'll even find myself quoting a Baptist. That's how bad I am. <laughs> I joke about that because I grew up a Baptist. Absolutely. But my point is, just because you find bits and morsels from somebody that you can enjoy and benefit from. It doesn't mean you're endorsing everything. When I go to the Golden Corral buffet and have lunch, I don't eat the whole buffet. Yeah. (laughs) I eat what I want. I eat what I think is good or maybe healthy. And there are things on that buffet I choose not to eat, but I don't refuse to go to the buffet just because there are things on there that I don't need to eat or don't want to eat. There's still some good things there. And that minds, I tell you, Catherine, that mindset alone opened the world for me. When Jesus said, I have sheep, not of this fold, I know he didn't mean this, but I'll say it this way. He has sheep outside your church walls. Wow. And the church wall. Yes, it's such good news. It's such good news. And his sheep hear his voice, which means maybe if you are grazing in, um, in a a non-Christian pasture that God is still working and speaking in you to lead you and guide you to him. But he's not so big at at, uh, closing the deal. This is about relationship. And, uh, you know, I knew God for a very long time before I knew it was Jesus. And I Mm -hmm. knew God for a, a very long time in the church that that doesn't feel like the Jesus I know, but is this what I'm supposed to believe? And God is like, no, you actually know me. So where that matches, great. Where it doesn't match, you know what? That's a bone you're supposed to uh, spit out. Just eat the chicken, girl. Just eat the chicken. You'll be safe and we'll keep on growing together. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Where we're kind of winding down, I want to give you an opportunity uh, and the audience an opportunity to know where they can find you. You mentioned a, a, a teaching that you're doing regularly. How do people connect with you? Well, you can go to stevemcveigh.com and find out all that I do there. I lead Grace Walk Ministries that I founded uh, back in, uh, in the 1990s. And our ministry is a ministry that uh, is we're in, in uh, six uh, countries right now. Uh, and I've got a wonderful staff who's sharing the message of grace. Uh, these days, I spend a lot of my time teaching a private subscription group called the Grace Walk Experience. I post live uh, or I, t- I post teaching videos on YouTube and Facebook every weekend 
And I actually put posts on Facebook every single day. And there are a lot of things on YouTube, Facebook, and other materials that people can get on the internet at no cost. But for those that want to invest in themselves and go deeper, I do have a subscription group. And in that group, I say things and I go to a depth that, and I share my personal life in a way that I would not do publicly because we all know how many trolls there are on the internet today. And I've learned the hard way that if I say something, if I push too far in on publicly on the internet, all of a sudden you've got the trolls coming out of the woodwork and then people pile on and I spend my life, you know, kind of trying to keep my head above water and fight to keep the truth clear for those others. So on my public page, I put stuff that I think will help people. But in the private group, right now I'm teaching a uh, teaching on uh, Christ consciousness mm-hmm. or cosmic consciousness. I've taught on quantum faith and quantum prayer, and I've taught a lot of different topics in there. I've got a series in there, what is the quantum life, yeah. uh, awakening to the quantum life. I've got what is the grace walk experience. I teach theology. I teach science. I teach sociology. But listen to this. It's all Christ focused. It's all Christ focused. So they can go to gracewalkexperience.com to get information about how to subscribe to that group. And we've got a great group of people. I have teachings on there five days a week. And then there are hundreds of hours of teachings archived on there. But also twice a week, I do a live Zoom meeting. So like we're doing right now, I do a live Zoom and everybody in the group that wants to can come on and I interact with them one on one. I answer their questions and talk about whatever they want to talk about. Yay, that is, oh, that's amazing. That's so great. Now your uh, quantum prayer book is coming out in October. How can people find that and your other books? The best way to get my books right now would be on Amazon.com. That's, I mean, some of my, I, I, I just, Quantum Prayer will be, I think, book number 22. I've written 22 books and bookstores will have some of them, but you can always, we all know Amazon. You can get books on Amazon. In fact, last week I had a children's book come out on Amazon. First time I've ever done a children's book. It's an illustrated, an illustrated children's book called Butterfly Kisses. And the book teaches children four to eight years old that God loves them no matter how they behave. And so I would encourage folks to take a look at that. And on Amazon, you can see all the other books that I have there. But that would be the best way to do that. Wow, that's wonderful. Well, this has been a joy. I felt like we barely scratched the surface of the scratch of the surface. But it's been even the scratch is joyful. (laughs) Thank you. I've enjoyed talking with you, Catherine. I love the fact that here's the takeaway. If I can leave with your listeners. Did you hear Catherine say that she knew God before she knew it was Jesus? Yes. I, I wish I, I wish we had more time for me to hear you talk about that. You, My wife was that way. You knew the Lord before you knew who it was you knew. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's amazing. And I said, what a testimony that is. And I hope everybody heard you say that because you don't have to check the boxes of the specific order. Some people think you do in order to, to be a follower of Christ. Exactly. It's it's amazing. Uh, God is really able to reveal himself when you when you can bear it, when you can hear it, when you can exactly. get a hold of it. Yeah, that's exactly. Cool. Thank you for that. Well, it has been a joy. I know you've got some commitments, so I'm going to uh, release you. But thank you so much. I hope I can convince you to come back on sometime. I'd be happy to enjoy the time together with you. It was wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And everybody share this. Go check out uh, Steve's, uh, his 
courses, his uh, groups, his subscriptions, his books. Uh, he's uh, clearly there's a ton that we can all learn and grow, and it's wonderful. And thank you again. Thank you. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.